everyone, welcome to the Attitude Era podcast, episode number 14. I remember we got the it right number this time. of yeah. the episode because I am professional. Anyway, I'm Kevin Mann, joined as I am always in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohort. Cohogs. Keep saying cohogs. Cohogs. Cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. It's important to brand the show. Cohorts and colleagues. <laughs> cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. And I suppose what we actually been mentioning, we, we should be doing this for people who are just joining us in for the first time. Uh, I'm Kevin. I've watched most, if not all, of the Aditera. Joined alongside, first of all, by Adam Bibolo. Hello, Adam. Hello. And you've watched... Yeah, I really got into the Aditera in like late 99, early 2000. But I know a lot of the stuff that's happened. So a lot of it's new to me, some of it isn't. And I'm the, the middleman. The yin to my yan, the man who had not, before this podcast, watched any of the Attitude Era, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello, Billy. Hello. How's things? Not bad. Pretty good. So anyway, uh, last week was possibly one of, if not the single most ca- negative cataclysm of negativity yeah. of all time, when we discussed the raging climax. But much like the bookers who have decided that that was a terrible idea <laughs> and are going to try and rewrite the entire thing with Backlash 1999, we're going to do that by reviewing Backlash 1999. <laughs> WrestleMania 15 and a half. <laughs> It might seem that tonight's epic encounter is simply a battle between two uniquely divergent superstars. The WWF champion, unpredictable and defiant. The so-called people's champion, arrogant yet refined. Two distinct individuals whose only common bond is the mutual contempt they harbor for each other. But like life, nothing of consequence is ever black and white is really about two athletes more similar than not. Two men blessed with charisma, youth, and an undying heart. Two supernovas burning brightest amidst an infinite galaxy of stars. Like two heirs to a single throne, two reverent knights courting the fair princess, they are two men deserving what only one can have. Two fearless warriors of courage and distinction. Two men who have sacrificed their bodies and gutted their souls for the opportunity to glow ever so briefly in the fleeting light of fame. Tonight, only one man can walk away the victor. Only one man can raise the coveted grail. Two men, both worthy sovereigns in a world that can be ruled by only one. So there you go. That was the uh, intro there. Back to basics. Back to formula. No Blassie. No Blassie. Also, interesting to note, Backlash 1999 is, first of all, it's the first ever Backlash. And also, it is the last ever pay-per-view that carried the In Your House moniker. Yeah. So In it's Your House... It's pretty meaningless at this point, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, In Your House originally was brought in just to have a series of smaller two-hour pay-per-views outside of the big four. And then they were brought to four hours. And now it's basically, we have 12 pay-per-views, one a month. And that is how the pay-per-view market got oversaturated. <laughs> and then as the years went on, they decided to add more and more and more. And now we have two pay-per-views every hour. <laughs> Did so, anyone else notice in the uh, the opening promo there that um, the narrator, whoever this non-blassy person this is, this new guy, referred 
to rock an Austin as two supernovas burning infinitely bright in a galaxy of stars. Jesus. This is wrestling we're talking about. <laughs> two princes courting the same throne is another one I believe they said. They also call the belt a grail at one point. A grail? A grail. Someone's been watching too much Game of Thrones. Seriously. I'm, I'm just saying, the copy for this, whoever wrote this, clearly had Freddie Blassie in mind. Clearly. Yeah. They're like, alright, I'll get Freddie Blassie to call it This was grail. written for Blassie, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not this like movie phone voice that they've got going yeah. over here. One thing I will say about this intro is that it made this feud, Rock and Austin, finally seem like a big deal. Yeah. Because yeah. I think you rightly pointed out in WrestleMania 15, Adam, that it just seemed like, oh, it's just another It's just another match. Another match. Promo wasn't Two really blokes fighting. Too much of a hype up to it. No. And despite the fact that they used, you know, borderline medieval uh, phraseology to get that point home, they did make the interesting point, which is... Both Austin and The Rock could now be considered super duper big massive stars. Both are insanely over. Burning infinitely bright in a galaxy of stars, yeah. And exactly. while you could probably at the end of the day pretty much firmly stamp Steve Austin as the, the main star of the Attitude Era, we're definitely in a period right now where it does seem like there are two guys mm. and many people would make the argument that the Attitude Era was as successful as it was because there were two guys, Rock and Austin. So, I mean, that was that was pretty nice of them to, to make note of. And mother of God, what a relief, we're in Providence, Rhode Island, sold out, and Jim Ross is on commentary. Oh, yeah. The good days uh, are back. Happy days, we fuck me. You, Jim. I have to say, I'm delighted that Jim Ross is back. They had used Michael Cole on a few Raws after WrestleMania. Really? Yeah, I know, which is shocking. You think after WrestleMania, they'd be like, oh yeah, Jim Ross. But thankfully, I think it's maybe around two years before we have any kind of some Michael Cole on pay-per-view. Thank Christ. So, you know, we will not be having as many commentary goofs in this episode as we potentially have I'm fine with that. It means I'll actually enjoy the show a lot more. Jim Ross runs down Shane McMahon's announcement on Heat, which is that he's going to be the special guest referee. However, if Austin gets DQ'd or attacks the referee, or so much as looks at him cross-eyed, he will have the belt taken from him. Also, the match is no holes barred, but Austin can still lose on a DQ, which makes no sense. That's corporation for you, mate. Yeah. Isn't it? Also as well, I like the uh, really peculiar logo they had for the show, where everything all cut out and Made stuff out of like cartoon that. cheese, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I thought it looked like, I, I could be remembering this completely wrong, but I went, Neverhood, as soon as I saw that. Yeah, is that looked, right? It looks very Neverhood. It looks very, very Neverhood. That's I thought I was just remembering Wrong. Doesn't mean it should be on a wrestling pay-per-view. No, I think the font seems to be in the same style as Mankind's Mask. If anyone yeah. else picked yeah. up. Yeah, made out of cartoon cheese. So an important thing to note as well is that Shane McMahon being the special guest referee in the main event, you may have noticed last month what all the problems that poor old Vince was having with Stephanie and the Undertaker, he's basically turned face and is so concerned with the well-being of his daughter, he's left the running of the company and the corporation to the bastard seed himself, Shane McMahon. Mm. So Vince is basically a good guy now? Near enough. Yeah. yeah. Which is quite peculiar. But Shane McMahon has become twice as evil, it seems, since the last <laughs> month's pay-per-view. So more than makes up for it. Anywho, opening contest to start us off, it's the Brood, Gangrel, Edge and Christian, taking on the Ministry, Farouk, Bradshaw and Midian. Where is the fire? Seriously. Yeah, they're not getting the... Uh, still still waiting on that fire. You haven't still seen it yet, have you, Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we were like, oh, Billy, Gangrel, the brute, the fire on... You know. It's been half a year now, still no fire. We're not going to get it, I don't think. <laughs> we, I think you and I were, were, were talking about this other night because we were like counting down to, to the No Mercy, which is where the Hardys and Edge and Christian have the ladder match. And I'm mm. like, 
shit, that's like really soon. The brood basically didn't come out with the fire now. Yeah, just misremembering it, I guess. It is. Completely misremembering it. Ridiculous. So the brood have split away from the ministry. Mm -hmm. And before we get into all the covings and going to this match, maybe we should explain this. Because thank you very much, Vince Russo, for changing the storylines on such an ad hoc basis that now we have to have a big explanation before every match. The brood accidentally let the corporation know where Stephanie was kept because they had kidnapped her. Mm -hmm. And Christian let it slip that she was in the basement. Via the ankle lock. Via the ankle lock. (laughs) Now that all seems relatively, it's like, oh, Ken maybe just asked him. It was a little bit more distressing than that. Ken Shamrock put Gangrel in the ankle lock for what seemed like an hour. Then the brood ran out and all the the lights go off and the music starts going like, oh, someone's going to get gacked. And uh, (laughs) then the lights come on and Ken has got Christian in the ankle lock. And he's covered in blood head to toe. And he goes, <laughs> His eyes are popping out of his head. Uh, if you want to see this, go on our Vine on our Twitter and you can uh, have a good old look at Bloody Ken now, screaming. Now, Ken Shamrock is scary. But is. Ken Shamrock covered in blood, wide-eyed, just looking around going, ah, like he's out of the womb and he doesn't yeah. know, you know. Where is she? Where is she? <laughs> Where is she? Well, he found out soon enough after that. <laughs> Obviously, the Undertaker thought that it was a bit poor form that, you know, he submitted to bloody Ken and began to flog Christian as a result yeah. of this. And then they, they, the brood were like, you know what? We're all right, mate. Yeah. We'll be on our way. And now we have this. Flop. Flogging. Flogging. In, in wrestling. I know. He He's actually... going to have a lynching next week. It's funny because they actually... He's like, oh man, something's going on with the Undertaker backstage. And it's just like Christian just being hung up. And, and the Undertaker's just like... stood eh, around. Yeah. Eh, just eh, hitting him. Hitting him with his belt. And also, you got to bear in mind how scary that is. Put yourself in uh, Stephanie's point of view where um, she's basically... They find her underneath some stairs. Like, you know, and the scar is all... And they drew the Undertaker symbol on, on her head. head. Oh, and yeah. she's there like crying because she's so scared. And who should appear but Ken Shamrock covered in blood like there you are come with me I'm gonna save you it's not uh, it's not on so scary it's really the scariest way to be scared to be rescued from a kidnapping but all that in mind and all that in place it's cool the way these storylines are bleeding into all the lower card stuff Mm. I suppose we have got at last seeing the acolytes in action again now this is awesome to actually see these guys with their their new purpose and their new gimmick finally in the ring also as well first time on the podcast that Edge and Christian are teaming up yes which is fucking outstanding it's their first tag team match on the pay-per-view together Bradshaw coming out Jim Ross had referred to him on Raw as being old man and a yard wide (laughs) 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 amazing how did that never make it onto a t-shirt, if you know what I mean? I was going to say, you say we're going to have a lot less commentary goofs this episode because there's no coal around, but immediately, the second the, uh, the ministry get into the ring here, JR says the most strange thing. He just goes, unusual and unique symmetry in the ministry there. Their synergies are so bizarre. <laughs> Their synergies are really bizarre, though. Middle, yeah. middle, middle management, like Jim it. Ross. Like. <laughs> so Midian has got the eye, and he's there on the ground having a gander at it, and to start the match... Both Christian and Midian kind of hump the mat a little bit. Mm, They're down there looking at each other. Kennedy and all creepy. The crowd off the get-go. I think you notice that the crowd are a little bit shit. Crap sucks. For the whole night. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it, they, they pick up as this match goes on considerably, I think. Uh, Bradshaw is such a fucking badass in this match. Like, there's a part early on where he gets kicked. He no-sells and just glowers at Christian. <laughs> as in, are you kidding me? Like, I love that. I mean, Bradshaw, even though he's not, like, a top guy here, 
he has the mannerisms of like you know someone that would be way yeah. he's fucking scary yeah no yeah. selling I love that yeah. stiffing everyone oh yeah. you better believe it some really nice teamwork spots from the brood here uh, the cred or, or as I said early on are really fucking like just not into it at all unappreciative but you can tell Edge and Christian just with the, some of those quick tag team manoeuvres they're yeah. doing like poetry emotion stuff like that you can tell they're going somewhere together and also as well you didn't see tag team manoeuvres like that in WWF at the time because I mean there was no one that was doing like fast-paced tag team stuff for fucking years. That's and years a very and years. good point. Yeah, you know the, the days of LOD and DOA are well and truly gone. Like, Thank so Christ, we got a loud, inexplicable Midian sucks chant. But the, so sec- the second I wrote inexplicable, I was like, well, it's not inexplicable, though, because we didn't kind of suck. Like. Just suck. weird that they're pointing it out for no reason. Yeah, it, it's true. It's, it's quite a long match. They get a lot more time than you you think they would get. Yeah. But it's nice that they are giving Edge and Christian some some time to actually do something. The crowd really doesn't get them, but they are like, you know, they pick up quite a bit. We get a lovely spot where Christian goes up for a 10 punch, doing the 10 punches on Bradshaw, and it's breaking down the brooder on the outside with the ministry. And then Bradshaw takes the 10 punches and gives the most hellacious, I think is the best word to describe it, powerbomb ever. He breaks the man in half. It's fucking horrible. It looks disgusting. It's so scary. A Bradshaw powerbomb is possibly the worst thing in the world to get because he just he squats like he's about to take a shit and he drops you right in the back of your head. Horrible. But then we get a viscera appearing and engulfing Christian. (laughs) Eating Christian. Or as Jim Ross points out, he jams Christian. (laughs) He jams him up real good. And then Bradshaw gets the clothesline for hell, from hell and the win. I had to say, I didn't think much this match to start and I was about to write it off, but the fact that they actually got the yeah. crowd in the palm of their hand by the end of it with that yeah. tight team manoeuvres. Yeah. And I think most of it is down to Edge and Christian, but also I think Farouk and Bradshaw as well. Yeah. I think Gangrel and Media. Gangrel and, Gangrel and Edge Christian would... really, really uh, made the match for me. I think yeah. they really shined here. I didn't think, because the thing about it is, you know, we've had good matches with Edge and maybe one or two good matches with Christian, but you don't know who these guys are. I mean, they, they're still new. They, they're they're still very new, and the fact that they've made such an effort to keep them mysterious, you know, fucking nothing about and them. They've pretty much been kept off pay per view, really. I mean, yeah, little matches, but nothing massive. So. They they bounced back from hanging the boss man. I would I would I would say. Oh, um, yeah. Cut backstage. The Rock arrives with his fanny pack. Yeah. Looking good. Looking good. He's got all his bits and pieces in there, you yeah. know, just in case. Easy bubble gum. Dragging the smoking skull belt. The disrespect. The <laughs> disgusting, despicable lack, of, lack respect. of respect there. Basically, what had happened was after WrestleMania, Austin was like, don't want this piece of trash belt. I want my smoking skull belt, which, if you recall, way back when, Vince McMahon was all, you don't have it anymore. It's mine. Yeah. Last so, fall. Yeah, so Austin was like, give me back my smoking skull belt. Vince, because he's so preoccupied with the Undertaker, he's like, fuck it, give it to him. But Shane is like, oh, no, 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 no. And Shane gave it to The Rock. And now they're holding it over Steve Austin. Is this kind of, I don't know. What a bunch of dicks. They're being yeah. a bunch of bullies, really, yeah. in fairness. So anyway, we've got the Hardcore Championship on the line next. As Bob, now known officially as Hardcore Holly, is taking on Ali Snow for the Hardcore Championship. Uh- Ali, Ali Snow, Alison Snow, Alison Snow, Alice, sorry, Alison Snow. Yeah, I forgot. Alistair, Alistair Snow. <laughs> <laughs> the match is beginning. The commentators are giving over the fact that like Al is obsessed beyond belief. They're like kind of almost saying 
it's just the hardcore title. I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, we'd seen Al had done things like stopping other people beating Bob because he, he wanted to, wanted to win it yeah. so much. Which is, I think it's funny because it's almost as if Al is expressing frustration at the complete ridiculous booking over the hardcore belt <laughs> with Road Dog coming and going and Billy Gunn, nowhere to be seen yeah, near nowhere this. To be seen. Strange. Lost the hardcore belt at WrestleMania thoughts. Yeah. Ah, I've had that, you know. It was a trial period. Yeah. <laughs> On to something new. On to something new. Jim Ross is concerned that Al is, and I quote, too jacked up for this <laughs> Well, he is a big jacked up bitch. You can never be too jacked up. Yeah. Speaking of big jacked up bitches, we've a little callback to last episode there where uh, we see a sign in the crowd that says, Nicole Bass is my father. As you do. Nice and tasteless. Yeah. Nicole Bass, who last night impregnated your mother. <laughs> so the guys head to the ringside and off to the crowd pretty much immediately. Al Snow does a moonsault off the barricade. Yeah. And you get the feeling early on, because we're around two minutes into this match, and Al Snow is bleeding. Yeah. And I'm like... Okay, that's not... It's not hard way. He did actually... He did Blade. Yeah, yeah. So it's like... I think Al is intent on this being a war to end all yeah. wars. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen Al Snow bleed before. Um, yeah. yeah, it is weird to see in a hardcore match, guys. Yeah. It's bleeding. I don't know. It's yeah, for some reason, hardcore is never really bloody. It's just more aggressive. Once you yeah. get hit in the ba- head with a big bag of popcorn. You know, yeah. I don't, don't want to You're not going to bleed from that. Yeah, There's but... a sign. Uh, it says, WCW, wheelchair wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake. Wow. Ridiculous. Amazing. Bob Holly brings the dreaded jug full of water into play. No. Yeah, it goes right under that ring. Yeah. Has a good rummage around. He's obviously, there's chairs, tables, pots, pans. Fuck that man. Bottle of water. <laughs> Boom! Not once but twice the jug comes into play in this. And Al Snow sells it like a fucking sledgehammer shot. <laughs> Uh, Al gets the hockey stick and he, again he does the whole avatar thing yeah. where he's spinning around the crowd are you know what I think I usually don't like to write off a crowd like by the second match but I think you point out when we were watching this you know Al and Bob are beating the they're kicking lumps out of each other right in the front row and right everyone's there. with their arms folded people are just yeah. sat there looking at them just watching they're literally like half a metre in front of them they're just sat there with their arms crossed it's quite strange ungrateful Al brings out a table and <laughs> good lord the days before the Dudley boys unregulated tables did you see this fucking bootleg looking table what was table? that proper car boot table wasn't it well, brown camouflage JR says it looks like something he used to uh, have lunch at when he was in high school why did he say that what is he on about <laughs> I'll tell he you what that, reminds, what that reminds me of the table I had lunch with when I was a kid. You're never going to say this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you brought me into a room right now filled with just tables that were exactly the same tables I had lunch at as a kid, yeah. I wouldn't notice. You know, it could be that yeah. Jim Ross, like, you know, maybe he was a very socially awkward child and then one day he was sat there at a lunch table by himself and a girl came over and said, hey Jim, can I sit with you today? And it was like a really significant moment of his life and it stuck with him forever and it just got brought back by seeing this table. And now you're going to fucking ride it off as if it's nothing. <laughs> that could be a fucking life-defining moment for him. We get a suplex on the concrete from Bob Holly. We notice here with this stage, as we get a lot of the added stairs stages, we have no actual steel rampway. No. It's just that hard-ass concrete. concrete. You never get the concrete anymore, do you? And they whack into it. Mm. And you know what? I think Foley, Foley was always the kind of guy, and he used to always take these sick bumps onto concrete. And they... The concrete, if you land on concrete, it doesn't make a noise. It just kind of goes, yeah. It just looks horrible, though. It looks really, the really crowd, sick. The crowd are just kind of like, oh, what happened there? Oh, suplex, right, cool, whatever. Mm. It doesn't make a big noise, so people yeah. aren't going to go, oh, like, if you went on a steel ramp. It's such a waste of a... Uh, such a waste of a, of, of, of a move, really, isn't yeah. it? I guess. You're just hurting yourself for no yeah. pop. 
But I mean, you can tell it's going to hurt because it's fucking concrete. So like, it might not impress the crowd there, but I'm sure the TV audience appreciates it. Mm. I certainly did. I thought it looked fucking horrible. But yeah, Bob, Bob and Al are already quite a lot in pain. Mm. They start going backstage, and what's ridiculous? This is poor spirited crowd, not in the spirit of things. They go backstage and through the curtain, and the crowd start booing. What nice. a bunch of dickheads! <laughs> Boo! Making this match interesting. I picked up as soon as they went backstage. I knew we were in for some more, uh, for, for some more amazing uh, action yeah. because Bob Holly produces the kitchen sink. I have to say, I'm quite impressed with the fact that they finally went with the kitchen sink after all this time. It's about time. time. It's yeah. about damn time. It didn't get used though, unfortunately. No, it because it, it would kill a man. If, I think the kitchen sink, if it finally gets used, it's like kind of the ultimate finisher. That's it. Yeah. End of the line. No questions asked. They head outside into the parking lot. Al and Bob bump into a few cars. There's a car, and they clearly want the car alarm to go off. Mm. Smacks into it full force. Goes me. Oh, a car alarm there on that vehicle. That's it, several like. Times, several times they knock into it, it only makes a sound. What? what? Who made this car? It's one of those one beep alarms. You don't want to disturb people. Ooh, don't steal me, please. I, like I mean, to, come on. I like to think that it's uh, the car is someone from the crowd, and they're just watching from that. Fuck's sake. Son what? of a bitch. Get, get off my car. What are you doing? I knew I should have upgraded the alarm. <laughs> I, I do like with this, because if guys start wrestling in the car parking lot, they generally start going, oh, whose car is that? And Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler pretty much settle on the fact that the car that they start messing up is probably the Fink's car. And Aww. I'm inclined to agree with it's them. Prob- it probably is. Poor old Fink. Fink comes in, his car's all like smashed in, like, sorry Fink, that's just the way it is. Like. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta walk home in the cold. So they, uh, the guys fight in trash. Like, they actually fight through the trash. <laughs> yeah. There's um, a pinfall in the trash. Yeah, even. Je- <laughs> Snow gets thrown into it and Jerry says, uh, Welcome home, Snow. Because <laughs> he's a piece of trash. <laughs> the guys make their way into the audio truck, which is quite outstanding. I was really hoping that they were going to do something like hit into a monitor and then, like, you know, their voices would go high-pitched yeah, or something. some hijinks. Alas, yeah. no such hijinks. But we do get a hip toss. From Al Snow, he hip tosses Bob Holly on top of a roof of a car. Yeah. And he crumples it pretty good. I mean, mm. by American, you get your car is going to uh, crumple pretty easily. <laughs> the guys start heading back inside through the backstage area, and the camera's pointing a different direction this time. And who do we see in the back with a pair of sunglasses and a cup of coffee, looking like he shouldn't be there? But Sergeant Slaughter! <laughs> who else? decides to stand there? It's like, you know, the back of Street Fighter. There's a bunch of lads kind of, you know, like, oh, yeah. Just Sergeant Slaughter leaning against some crates there. Like, you know, <laughs> nice Shairuk in there, you know. If he doesn't move, they won't see him. Like... <laughs> Maybe now and then someone will go through the boxes he's beside, but other than that, he's not phased by oh what's boy. going down. Back to the ring, we get a pan shot. Yeah. Good God. Why are there frying pans and baking trays? Does under, under because the wrestling. Because wrestling, I why, think. Why would there be anything under there? think to pack it up, though? <laughs> like, I can understand maybe a table or something like that, because he's got to have stuff to set up in the, 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 the arena. Yeah. But baking trays. Billy, last month there was a hockey stick underneath there. <laughs> they, were in a, they were in a hockey stadium last month. Okay, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, well, I can't expect things to get a whole lot worse if you don't like nonsensical I, I was just going to say... I've <laughs> got two years left of this. Al probably brought it from home. Yeah. I mean, that's my best guess. But uh, yeah, good lord, shot of the Teflon there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime you see a guy getting smacked in the head with a frying pan, I just think of Sandman getting knocked unconscious oh, by God, Mick Foley. Yeah. In the Texas Death Yeah, <laughs> frying pan is a dangerous weapon. Should not be I used. I automatically think of the scene from The Wrestler where they're going around a supermarket like, hey, will you try this one? Right. Do oh, oh, what's with this guy? Hey, it's your fucking cheese lady. <laughs> anyway, moving on. 
Al attempts the table spot. He thinks he's got the match one, but he's like, no, he's gone through the table. Al goes up top. We get a scary moment where I think that we're going to see the debut of the penis suplex as uh, as Al gets you know, a good fistful of those tights get pulled mm. up by Bob. And apparently Al didn't believe in wearing undergarments at the time. And oh. All I have to say is probably just as well he didn't trim his pubic hair because that whole area just seemed to be shaded off. But uh, it was... We were in the danger zone there, is all I'm saying. Mm. The guys super, get superplexed. Uh, Bob superplexes Al through the table, but the table is set up lengthways. It's long ways, yeah. Yeah. So these kind of like crumple into oh, it. It's fucking so awesome. painful for both of them. It really looks like... Badass. Bob, there's a good close-up on Bob. He's just lying there kind of... Oh, Jesus. Hey. What did I just do? Oh. <laughs> Proper head of it. Al kicks out, though, which yeah. is absolutely insane. Somehow, some way. I know. What sucks for me now is that, like, we're, we're going through this. This is a fucking war we're witnessing yeah. here, you know? It is it is garbage wrestling, yes. But the crowd are just completely like, oh, he went through a table, so so It's so a superplex like? through a table lengthways. And you didn't see that in WWF back in the day. And not even a gimmick table. It was a proper table. Yeah. I know. It's, it's crazy to think that they popped less for table breaks when they were seldom. Yeah. Until when table breaks were, like, a weekly thing when the Dudleys came. Silly. Quite ridiculous. Al goes for the heads. Whacks Bob. One, two, three. Both men have to be like taken out at the end. Yeah. But Al is the new champion. And Jim Ross is kind of like, well, Al, was it worth it? And I have to say, it was just awesome. What a match. Al passed out, covered in blood, with this shitty piece of crap hardcore belt lying on top That's of him. what you went through hell for. I that. love that. That's yeah. what I love about the hardcore belt. What do you think of it? Because, I mean, we had like a similar match two months ago. With the you know Mississippi River and all that stuff. I mean, these are standard now. These big backstage brawls and all that. Do you do you like them? Do you think they? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, I, like yeah. Them, yeah. I think they give a nice break, bit of breaks up the the evening a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I love this kind of thing. I can't wait till we reach the twenty four seven days. Oh man, good times ahead. Mm. Stone Cold Steve Austin arrives with his fanny pack, looking good. Why are we shown that? What the, the earlier tonight, Austin and. Austin came with his fanny pack. Just, just a reminder, Stone Cold is here. Stone Cold will be fighting. He has got a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> and him and The Rock's fanny pack will be uh, fighting each other in the main event. <laughs> oh, God. Here oh, it comes. This is it. We cut backstage to a blue room. You pleased me. Your recent stumblings, they are forgiven, but never forgotten. Now we can go on. We must look to the future. We have to prepare for the eventual arrival of our higher power, his unholiness. And then the calamity begins. Now, the destruction begins. Now, the tragedy begins. A couple of lads start talking. It's The Undertaker, Paul Bear in the ministry. Can't hear jack shit because the audio's all screwed up. It's the Undertaker messing with his shirt, presumably trying to get his tire mic to come on. We hear like a crackling noise. And, and then uh, the crackling stops just in time for The Undertaker to say, we have to wait for the arrival of our Hower Power. The Hower Power. It's so lame. Game over, yeah. man. It's so this lame. It's so lame. And then he, then he does his little eye-rolling back thing, but yep. he does it, his lip quivers at the same time, so it just looks like he's coming in his pants. No! <laughs> no! Oh. <laughs> what does it say about... Uh, have you got it written down? What uh, I do. He says, the Howard Power is... <laughs> <laughs> The Howard Power is coming up. After that. Dude, he got so how last night. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Come on. So the Howard Power is coming, right? And that's important, the Howard Power is coming. Because once the Howard Power comes, 
The calamity begins! <laughs> Gentlemen, it's going to get goofy tonight. Zaniness of unproportion. <laughs> Shit gonna get wacky up in this business. <laughs> Taker is so lame. So lame. I mean, I think out of the three of us, I think I've been the biggest mark for the for the Undertaker storyline. I love the whole personification of evil thing, but you've got to protect him. Don't just put him in a blue room and don't let him say power, power. Well, people talk about the American badass like, oh man, that was the lamest thing. But this, this is fucking atrociously lame. This is so fucking like nineties. Hey, I'm cool because I'm dark and evil. And there is a blue light on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I suppose the point to take home from this is that you know you can make him look mysterious and badass all you want to, but if you put him in a room with a shitty microphone and crappy blue lights, he will look like a goon. Especially if he says "how a power and calamity." Yeah, <laughs> calamity. <laughs> The calamity continues. We've got the Godfather, the new Intercontinental Champion, taking on Goldust. Can we explain this, please? Yeah. Well, the IC belt again has just jumped to a completely different random person now. Yeah. It's not even someone who was involved in the match. No. Last literally time. out of nowhere. All right. You guys had toys growing up, right? Yes. And do you ever like you know play with your toys a lot and you're doing all your stuff with your toys and then one day you wake up just harassed you're like, no, I hate the Black Ranger and you throw it against the wall. <laughs> I never had that. That's very concerning. And then out of nowhere, you've got the Spider-Man action figure with six arms, and then he's going to be playing with the Power Rangers. And you might think, well, that makes no sense. But I'm like, yes, but it's unpredictable. You know? Throw some Beast Wars in there. Terrifying child. And that is why my childhood got good Nielsen ratings. Woke up up screaming, I hate the Black Ranger. I hate Austin. (laughs) Anyway, on that basis... Goldust won the Intercontinental belt from, from, from Road Dog very shortly after WrestleMania. Yeah. And then very, very shortly after that, Godfather came out and he was so incensed by Goldust's peculiar shenanigans that he foregilled his usual offer of hose and he instead beat the man for the Intercontinental Championship. How about that? I remember when this belt used to mean something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's. I have to say, I liked the Godfather and I knew, it was in my head, yeah, Godfather does become Intercontinental Champ at some point, and he's he gets incredibly over. I had no idea he became IC Champ so early. This mm. is like because he hadn't really been on pay per view at all. I mean, besides uh. supply and demand and the Rage Party, I mean, Godfather was there, but we haven't really talked about Godfather much because he's not really been featured, and now he's Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, which I suppose I mean it takes the belt down a little bit, but that being said. To a nicer guy, like... No, yeah, I like the Godfather. I just hope he manages to keep the title for more than two months. Because yeah. like, everyone's just changing it every five minutes. No, I mean, between now and Russo leaving, get ready for a lot of title changes. Mm. I'm not going to give up entirely on recounting what happens with them, but there will come a point where it will just be quicker just to forget where the belt went the, the month before. There's one episode where you're going to be like, Kevin, can you please explain this? You're like, nope. No, actually, just forget it. <laughs> Use your imagination, Billy. It's simpler. Godfather, though, like to a nicer guy, it, it could not happen. He's so humble and such a nice dude. Oh, yeah? I watched a shoot interview with him, and he was asked about, like, his, what he thought was the greatest moment in his career. Keep in mind that he was around since, you know, the Hogan days. He was Papa yeah. Shango. All the years he was involved in wrestling. And he was asked at the end of the shoot interview, what was his all-time favorite moment? He's like, man, I remember I went to TV one week and there was a t-shirt on sale. And it said, Pimpin' Ain't Easy. And I finally got my own shirt. And I thought, damn, man, that's nice. 
And that's the greatest moment of my career. Like, what a nice guy! That's so sweet! What a fucking nice guy! Aww. I know I'm saying this about the man who's brought to the ring by several sex workers. That is in stark <laughs> contrast to me going, oh, what a nice guy! We get a Fraser Crane reference from Jim Ross. What? I didn't yes. catch that. Actually calls Goldust mommy at times, which is... Uh... Dr. Fraser Crane to figure that one out. <laughs> one can only wonder how long he sat bathed in the glow of his laptop screen before his trembling fingers sprang to life and pecked out, I hate the blue media. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're big Fraser fans. Massive yeah. Fraser fans. People asking if we're going to do the roots of this uh, aggression era. And uh, no, after we're finished, we're just going to review all the episodes of Fraser. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> Fraser uh, cast. This is awesome. One of my favorite meanie moments ever. Oh, he's going to speak. For all the men who want to be me. What? And for all the girls who came to see me. Are you ready for the grind? Oh, good lord. Put the, oh my god. Put the women and children to bed. Hurry. Meanie comes in the ring and says, This is for all the men who want to be me <laughs> and the women who come to see me. Are you ready for the grind? Oh my. <laughs> I love his shirt as well. They're like oh, mother and son. It's so yeah. good. Sorry, on the basis of that, can you guess who was on her way out of the company at this yeah. point? Can you guess he's getting a shit in her handbag? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well now, let's let's not let's not mince words here. Sable didn't get a shit in a handbag. Sable got a shit in a box. What? No, no. There was a shit in a box that got placed in a handbag, wasn't it? True, but I think the 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 fact of the matter is is that the shit was concealed in a in a, in one of these Tupperware right. boxes. Okay, let's yeah. get this straight. Because the story I heard, I heard it from X Pac's mouth himself. Yeah, make some noise. He said that it was a wrestler who he will not name had left a turd in a Tupperware box around Basically, the corner. Him, then. That means him. <laughs> a wrestler He's he already not shit name. in a sandwich. He's going to shit uh, in a bag. <laughs> he basically went and he grabbed that box and he opened it up and then chucked the turd in Sable's bag and then ran away. That's what. That's the version I heard. Well, the now, the, 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 the interesting thing I heard is because it was the Tupperware, it was like a it was like a time bomb, basically. Because yeah. Tupperware, it was put in the bag, whatever. Didn't know about it. They're on, like, tour in Europe or whatever. And then, like, you know, they've been driving for eight hours. Obviously, on tour, everyone's in the same bus. Bus opens... And all of a sudden, everyone is, who's going out to get their bag is hit with the waft of a two-day-old shit in a box. <laughs> so, yeah, Sable's on her way out. Yeah. Um, Thank Christ. You can imagine Russo going up to Meanie beforehand going, you bury that fucking bitch. You, you, <laughs> I you swear to God. I swear to God, that bitch will never work in this company again. I was very Mayor Quimby just then. <laughs> Meanie, I swear to God. God. Uh, yes. Anyway, it's nice to see Godfather with gold, as I was saying. Did you like the Godfather's speech? Uh, he does, you know, pimping hoes nationwide. Pimping ain't easy. You yeah, know? he he, uh, he quotes TLC. Oh, shit, he, he does. He uh, says he, his girls ain't uh, got no scrubs. Now, oh, yeah. That's long... why he won't give it to Goldust, because he says Goldust is yeah. a scrub. What, and... what I want to know is, how long does the Godfather have this gimmick? Oh, for and, the, like, until... Uh, until right to censor. Does, 2000, Does yeah. the Godfather ever discover Ludacris? No. Uh, because there's a song that comes out a year after this, I was hoping at some point he picks up on it, called Ho by Ludacris. Uh, such oh, lyrics geez. as, you do in ho activities with ho tendencies, hoes are your friends, hoes are your enemies, with ho energy, you do what you do, blue what you blue, screw what you screw. Right, no, there is no way in hell Godfather would say and that. Uh, other line, why do you think you take a ho to a hotel? <laughs> Which I think is a great line. What I was going to say there, now analysing the, the text analyzing the piece there 
That seems rather negative towards hoes. Godfather... He's all for the hoes. He's all about the hoes. hoes are your friends and your enemies, though. Well, he's, he's troubled about the hoes, then, yeah. you know. I mean, he doesn't know what to think. Godfather so, knows for a fact. <laughs> I do like... Going I, back to the uh, the Scrubs line, Goldust is incensed by <laughs> yeah. He's like, you son of a fan of Scrubs, Jesus Christ. Well, you know what it is, you know. A, a scrub is a man who's... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember who that song's even by. TLC. TLC. Oh, you just said, yeah. A scrub is a band, a band, and dad, riding upside in his best friend's ride, trying to holler at me. That's it. <laughs> if, if you know the meaning of scrub back at home, why don't you send Kevin a message on Twitter and let him know that uh, no, why got a piece of shit. Why, why did people? <laughs> why did people chant scrub it at known her? Scrub it. Anyway, no, I like a Godfather speaks though. I like when like undercar guys have the whole thing with the audience. You get that yeah, report yeah. straight away. Also, as well, like the subtlety. Roll one up and smoke it, four twenty style. Having to talk about jazz cigarettes there. Yeah, very subtle. 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 Yeah. We get two signs. We get hose next. Hose <laughs> next. <laughs> that's good. One. All right, that's actually that, that, good. That's clever. That's, good that's clever. The other one, it doesn't really make any sense. It says we want to pull a train on the hose. Yeah, what's of, that mean? Something to do with hoe train pulling train on train. I, hose. I understand what the hoe train is. The pulling. He the, wants to pull a train on the on the hose. You, pull the. Do they, they like, want to tie up yeah, women? Say, put on them on the, the train tracks the, and then pull a train and pull a train over them. You pull it. You don't drive like it. Villains. Tell you, did did the lad on the sign? Did he have a black cape and a twirly mustache? <laughs> I might have done. Fucking there you go. <laughs> that was SOBs. I had to say, I really, really, really enjoyed this match. Man. Godfather is like a. He's. I forget how big the man is like yeah. now that he's wrestling as a full-fledged face as opposed to before with you know the nation he's going off he's knocking the shit out of Goldust you know wanging himself off the ropes it's fantastic I have to say I love Godfather's uh, offense here Goldust decides early on to leave and Meanie's like yeah good idea and he goes wait a minute mommy we gotta get the bells <laughs> and then Goldust is like ah shit here we go again ah <laughs> uh, here goes but it it, 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 it. <laughs> They get a sign coming back into it. It's just, I want to ride the who train. The who train. Yeah, H-O-O. Yeah. They cut to it like three times. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the guy that stood next to Gay 24-7. <laughs> Brilliant sign. Well, that guy just loves prostitutes, doesn't he? So, For fuck's I mean, sake. We, um, Jerry really doesn't like uh, Meanie. Meanie. Really? Blue Meanie, the original reason for twin beds. Ah, jeez. That is a great line. The other one he said about Meanie was he went out with a hoe once, but she said not on the first date. Did you hear what happened after that, though? Oh, no. (laughs) Where um, uh, JR says, you made that up, didn't you? And he just goes, (laughs) he just goes, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well you've got him now JR you've shamed him I, lo- I, lo- I love the idea that after that that Jim Ross is like pointing at the meanie and he's like you know thumbs up like, you know, I we, got you we, we got him we got him friend it was in the tabloids the next day commentators spurious comments not based on fact meanie trips the godfather pulls him out and then fucking kills him again with the aggressive meanie yeah, I'm, like, I'm liking like this yeah. you know we get powder coming out into play now, so Meanie mm. distracts the ref. Goldust gets this massive, like a big bag of cocaine, basically. <laughs> what I love about it, right? He pours it into his hands. I love how old school this is. He pours all the powder into his hands. He's got it. He's about to throw it, but before he throws it, he looks at the crowd and goes. <sighs> He may as well be pointing at the powder like Meh. he's all he's all like perving over the powder, like rubbing his fingers through it. But uh, Godfather throws the powder in Goldust's face, so it goes everywhere. The ref turns around; it's like a fucking you know, it's like a nineteen eighties wrestler's hotel room. There's white powder everywhere, and this is where the match ends, and an episode of Mister Magoo begins. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say off the bat, the preceding series of calamitous events 
obviously foreshadowed by The Undertaker saying the calamity was about to begin. Because <laughs> mother of fucking God, the calamity begins. Meanie comes in. Goldust, in his blind rage, accidentally goes after the Meanie and whacks the unbelievable crap out of him in the corner yeah. and then starts picking him up for Shattered Dreams and Godfather's like cheering him on. Meanie is screaming, No! <laughs> and I love about it as well is that Goldust, even though he's a heel, he hears the crowd are going ape shit and then yeah. he starts going up with the crowd jumping up like, yeah, here we go. He gives Shattered Dreams to the Blue Meanie, to a massive ovation from the crowd. Yeah. To his uh, daughter. He? His own daughter. So yeah. funny. And then when Goldust gets knocked down by the Godfather, Meanie stumbles out of the corner and his head lands right on Goldust's willy. Yeah. I lost my Such shit. Such slapstick. It's like a Laurel and Hardy match, isn't so it? Much. Both of them get sent into the corner. The referee's given up at this stage. We get, <laughs> we get the whole train on both of the guys in the corner and then the pimp drop and Godfather wins. Mm insanity but I really enjoy this so funny if you have the chance look this match up on YouTube it's really fucking funny Um, entertaining easily one of Godfather's best matches oh yeah definitely yeah it was a really good match and just to sort of taint this lovely innocent hilarious match at the end Godfather stands up and he's like you know smiling at the crowd looking at the host and then he starts pulling the crotch of his pants and cupping his hand over it as if he's hiding a boner and he does like a little cheeky face like oh I'm rock hard it's so horrible well, he's got- he, drops, he drops to the floor and all the hoes jump on him I mean yeah. he's like rolling around in fairness around. like if you've just had a physical contest and then 20 women jump on you Blood's gonna rush where blood's gonna rush, you know? There's no need to draw attention to it. Well, at least... No, at least he didn't pretend it didn't happen. I don't know if you've ever seen (laughs) Jean-Claude Van Damme once. He was on, like, some... I think it was, like, Danish TV. And he danced with a sexy woman, like, before he did his interview. I've seen that. And he's got a massive lad on him. And he's like, yeah, whatever, like, you know. Just laughs it off. Yeah, no, you gotta at least have a bit of humility and shame. Good Catholic guilt from the (laughs) Godfather. Five stars. Very enjoyable. Jeez. Backstage, Cole is where he belongs. In the fucking turlets. <laughs> <laughs> Two second break, Jesus Christ. Al, congratulations, a long time coming. You're now the hardcore champion. You know, it's just like I told you, Todd. Sooner or later, I would be... What do you mean? Yes, I am the hardcore champion. Of course. I got the one, two, three. Well, what the hell do you think this is? What do you mean, which hand I covered him with? I covered him with this one. The one I was holding you. Aha! What the hell's aha? Was it ha 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 ha? Am I funny to you? Am I a comedian? I don't get the joke. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Do you mind? We're having a private conversation now. So they're back in the turlets, and Al just, he's been interviewed after winning the belt. Al, sitting by the, the, the uh, urinals there, covered in blood, looking like a madman, goes, Well, Todd's the way. <laughs> so funny. So subtle, so smooth. Yeah. Go, I, I, I missed it the first time. You mm. pointed it out to me. I was just like, Oh my God, what a little weird thing. But uh, basically, what happens is Head is claiming because Head was actually on top of Bob. While the pin was being made, Head is in Al's mind claiming now to be champion. So it's just kind of like vicious circle that Al will never be happy because he's just making this shit up in his yeah. head now. There's something about the image of Al Snow sat next to a urinal covered in blood holding Head and referencing Goodfellas. It's just something slightly <laughs> funny about it to me. Welcome back, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you, you work with on. now. All right, we have got a number one contendership match for the Tag Team Championships. It is the former champions, Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart, who lost the tag team belts to the newly formed super team of the guys who've been wronged by the corporation, basically. X-Pac and Kane have bandied together after the events of WrestleMania 15. They won the tag belts. The whole deal being that, like, 
ooh, Kane and X-Pac, they can't really trust each other. Kane's a bit crazy, but he seems to be looking out from. Really nice dynamic. But Jeff and Owen are now taking on... Look who's back! It's the New Age Outlaws! Here we go. Fresh from their world tour of bizarre singles runs. <laughs> They've New done Age, it all. New Age Outlaws, they are back. Important thing to know in this match. This is possibly one of the most important events on the history of the Attitude Era. Uh, in the month of April, Road Dog Jesse James did something that would change the face of wrestling forever. He invented the term puppies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. That's legit. Oh, yeah, this is used a lot, this no. is used a lot in this match. A good point. This yeah. match! Yeah. <laughs> this match! You want to talk about the next three Two years. fucking years! <laughs> Get used to it! Are you a dog person, Billy? You are now! Oh, God, they say it so much in this match. So much. Road Dog is in the ring, does the whole shtick. Does the whole spiel. Jeff and Owen have got Deborah with them, and Deborah again. Fuck me. She wears less clothes in every page. So... She's wearing a big red sort of like one of those massive coats with the tails. Like a, she looks like a ringleader of a circus of prostitutes. It's horrible. <laughs> so just wearing wearing that with a bikini underneath again. Like I mean, I'm all for like I think like you know female valets like Sensational Sherry, Miss Elizabeth. You know you can be a not complete like you know not wrestle in any capacity. You know, I know those, Sherry did wrestle. That's but fine. You, in that, you can be in that role, not wrestle, but have a fucking role and not just be a woman carted out in a bikini. Don't you make know? them look like they're about to bring out some sex clowns. Yeah. It's really scary. Sex clowns! <laughs> that is the name of my new band. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sign straight away as Deborah comes out. It says, Little Debbie, show us your tasty cakes. God! <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's creepy. That's really, really fucking creepy. Good Lord. That's horrible. What I like now here is, this is the funniest moment of the match. Road Dog goes, now guys, there's two reasons why we're all here. And the camera zooms right in on Deborah. <laughs> but as soon as the camera zooms in on Deborah's breast, it zooms out a little bit. And you can see Owen and Jeff hitting each other going, yeah, they're here to see <laughs> us. <laughs> made me laugh so much Such heels. That. Amazing. The next time you imagine boobs, just imagine Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett smiling and nodding instead. <laughs> So Road Dog demands to see Deborah's breasts. Let's just literally right. just stop for a second. Stop then. there. Let's take he, that in. He demands to see Deborah's breasts. And Jeff is uncomfortable with it. With it. What a heel. Yeah. What a, what what, a, what what a an good. absolute bastard. I love that they make out Jeff Jarrett to be a massive prude just because he has like some standards. He has a line that this he wants. disgusting. So he says that he doesn't want to show him and, and Road Dog's like, oh, come on, she's a grown woman. Jesus Christ, what am I saying? <laughs> and then he says, because, you know, everyone's obviously like, oh, damn it. We were here, obviously, to see breasts, not wrestling. This is, <laughs> this is throwing a right spanner in the works. Billy! Show him that ass! Not you. Um, yeah, just, not just me. Pu don't. Pull, pull those back on <laughs> Billy! Billy! Pop him back on there, chap. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Billy Gunn moons him. So, so we got pretty, uh, to say now, uh, off the bat, we got some pretty sweet action here. You know? Can I just say, Road Dog does something in this match. He does more yeah. than he does, something. He does, a he does things in he, this he match. He does oh. a wrestling. He I have to say, this match was uh, was, was was very enjoyable. It was. Amazing very pace. Very good match. We get a really, really great spot early on with Owen and Jeff like running into each other. We get a lot of like four-man spots, yeah. which is great. It's like There's a lot of time for the action just like it breaks and down. Everyone's and everyone's in sync. Everything's perfectly timed. Yeah. Get a show your puppies chant while this is going on oh god no yep. yeah. uh, a very loud show your puppies every chance. person in the arena is chanting even, even Jerry 
uh, of course. Obviously. JR asked Jerry if he has a breast fetish. Jerry says breast says, fetish. Yes, <laughs> yes he does. <laughs> yes. Jerry, he doesn't. He doesn't even try to hide it. Just says yes, I do. I have a problem. <laughs> I have a problem. What, what, what a great straight man Jim Ross is, is for, for Jerry Lawler. He sets breast him up. He knocks fetish. him down. Like, and we got a sick spinning heel kick from Owen Hart earlier on. It's it's pretty amazing. Amazing. And then we get uh, Owen and Jeff working over uh, Road Dog, and they're using this like. We'd seen guys try to do this before and fail, which is like really malicious double team heel moves where they're like, you know, just getting in behind the ref's back or Road Dog will finally get up and Owen runs across the ropes as the illegal man Takes and him knocks out. him yeah. down. Just like little things like that. It it doesn't make you feel like, oh, Road Dog is just being beaten up. It's like, shit, Road Dog is being taken advantage of. Yeah. It's like, he, he should be winning here, but and he's being fucked over. Well. It all happened seamlessly. Just really flowed, fluid. And uh, we get uh, another... We, we, we get another... Show your puppies chant. Yep. Yep. Uh, which is uh, which is which is fine, I suppose. Uh, then we get a sweet sleeper spot there with with Road Dog, where Road Dog is like he really like you know feels it like the crowd are right on, and he gets up, he gets own into the sleeper, and then we get another show your puppies chant again and 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 again. Fuck sake, good God, but. It's all been worth it. It's all building up to this moment. We get a hot tag from the road to badass Billy Gunn. Now, can we take a moment to wash our hands of all this business Mm -hmm. and just say, before this moment, we could all universally agree that Bradshaw's hot tag at Over the Edge 1998, check out the episode, is possibly the greatest hot tag ever. Until this moment. This has topped it. This topped it. Fuck me. Good Lord, Billy Gunn is literally on fire. (laughs) He is on fire. He's amazing here. He does does drop kicks where he like jumps higher than the turnbuckles. He is like... Boating. He throws him against the ropes and he does a power slam. And when he does the well, power slam, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, he does drop kick, drop kick, snap, snap, like you know, big snappy moves. Throws Jeff into the ropes. Jeff bounces off, and then as he grabs him into the power slam, you can hear Billy go, "You son of a bitch!" And <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Billy firing off like a rocket over the top rope. Yeah. Uh, and taking out Jeff Deborah comes up on the ring to distract the road dog road dog is like suck my dick and Deborah's like I'll consider it God. thankfully Owen comes in to break it up but he gets the pump handle slam complete with a little bit of a grind uh, which yeah. is just now standard Jeff breaks up before we get the three count then we get the, an awesome finish here which is Jeff and Owen both going for their submissions at the same time Jeff goes for the figure four Owen goes for the sharpshooter really cool but Billy kicks off uh, Jeff and then gives the famouser to Owen one two three he's in the sharpshooter yeah. New Age Outlaws win and fuck me you know what I was def- I defended the Outlaws up and down at the start of this podcast then slowly realised that there was a lot of nostalgia tied to this but this match this was, was a really awesome good match. This is the best I've ever seen Road Dog work. I think oh, so. Undoubtedly, I, I'll agree. And to be honest, the main thing I felt after this match was relief. Because genuinely, like the realisation that the New Age Outlaws might not have been all they were cracked up to be actually made me really sad. Because I loved them as kids. And then and it also these... made us seem like miserable pricks. Yeah, it's like, it hey, else... listen to the Attitude Era podcast. They hate everyone you liked growing up. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, there's still a chance for the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. You know, this, this match proved that they still have got something, clearly. I suppose it's just the difference between working against someone like Owen and Jeff as opposed to working with dinosaurs like the fucking, you know, Legion, Legion of Doom, Doom or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, they've got something to work with, at least. Also, they're much better as faces than as heels. Oh, undoubtedly. You know, which is great. And then to celebrate the match being over, Billy moons the crowd. Yeah. Because. Um, yeah. 
because that is what he. But as the, as we're leaving as well, Deborah keeps trying to run back into the ring to, to show, show everyone her puppies. Well, she heard the four or five. Yeah, <laughs> and Je- Jeff and Owen's like, "No, come on, come on now." And she's like, "Oh, please, please, can I get my tits out? Have some pride, <laughs> Jesus." There's old Deborah standing up for women's rights everywhere. Good <laughs> God in heaven! Backstage, Mickey C is with Shane O'Mac. And if Stone Cold pins the Rock, will you indeed? Can you guarantee us that you'll count the one, two, three? Guarantee. Do I look like Vince McMahon? Do I guarantee things? No. I'm Shane McMahon and I'm running the show. If you're looking for some type of guarantee, Michael, I got something better than that. I got my word. And I give you my word in the name of my grandfather, Vincent James McMahon. If Austin can pin the rock shoulders to the mat, I will count one, two, Three. Shane, with all due respect, your grandfather is deceased, but your dad is here in the arena tonight. He is not my dad. He is not my father. He is Vince to me. Don't you get the... Vince, got a message for you. Listen up. Go to the skybox, take Stephanie, go hang out there and enjoy the show. Just stay out of my way. And Michael, you're in my way now. I'll see you later. Shane, who is now running the show and powers, went straight to the little boy's head. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah. It's like, I love it that Shane, like, there had been such a father-son thing when they were heels together, but I just love the fact that he'll betray his own father, even at a hint that his dad is, like, not 100%. Yeah. That the second he's like, you know what? My daughter's more important than this business with Steve Austin. Shane's like, no, fuck that. And he takes yeah, it. He's and become too much like Vince. I love that. It's, it's almost like, because there was always the thing that Vince was so ruthless that he like he lied to his father about not competing with the territories. Yeah, and then yeah, he did. Yeah. It's like as well, like his son would do the same thing, just kind of fuck over his dad. It's actually really quite layered when you properly think about yeah. it. It's really cool. And even more adding to the layers, Shane promises... He gives his word. He says he's not going to give a guarantee because that's what Vince has done. But he will give his words, and he swore on the memory of his grandfather, Vincent James McMahon, yeah. that he would count to three if Steve Austin has the pin, which yeah. almost guarantees he won't. <laughs> yeah, I love that though. But Vince would never be like, "I swear on my father's grave." But Shane would. Shane is just like it's just so like lower class yeah. like yeah. he hasn't got that uh, that conscience really. Then we go back. Vince and Stephanie are with Kay Quick. Shit, wait, no, that's actually a wrestler, isn't it? Yes, so. it is. Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly. Vince is now face, and he's like, he's, he's saying that he doesn't care about, you know, the, the whole business with, with Shane and whatnot. And Stephanie's like, oh, Shane wouldn't lie. If Shane is saying he's swearing on his grandfather's life, that means something. Oh, Shane, Stephanie is so sweet and innocent, isn't he? This is her first pay-per-view so appearance. So naive. What a, lovely, what a lovely young lady. She's a charming... I, I bet she'll grow up to make something really great out of herself. <laughs> I bet she'll grow up to be a fine young woman indeed. Yeah. I really... It really hits home the fact that the fact that Undertaker is stalking Stephanie and she's like the one person in the entire show who has an aura of purity around her. And that yeah. She's not got an ulterior motive or she's not a shade of grey. She's just a nice young she's lady. A nice girl. Okay, here we go. Time for a fucking war to settle the score. Jesus. Big toasty Paul White. <laughs> no, come on now. That enough is enough. <laughs> Big toasty. Get your head in the game. Big toasty Paul White taking on Mankind in a Boiler Room Brawl match. Yes. The first Boiler Room Brawl match on the podcast. Mankind's speciality and a special fact going into this, Mankind had never lost a Boiler Room Brawl match. How many had there this. been up to this? Two. <laughs> okay. 
undefeated. 2-0. 2-0. Oh. Oh. streak lives. <laughs> streak lives on. Straight away. Madness. I felt watching this match that the entire match could have been contender for, for Grunt of the Night, Adam. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to actually say right now, I mean, I'm just going to talk to some of the fans out there. I know there's a couple of you guys out there that are like me and you're really into Grunts. Uh, <laughs> Grunters, you know. Like, if you're like me and you're really into them like, on many levels and it's gratifying to hear Grunts, I didn't actually pick any specific Grunts out of this match because it is just yeah. one long Grunt, basically. So look it up on YouTube. You'll have a whale of a time. Turn off it, the lights, lock the door, and just settle in for a nice Grunty evening. And don't, be, be, don't forget to go to Clips for Sale forward slash Adam's Grunt Studio for <laughs> <laughs> this, is such a, this is such a strange Let's get match. wild. <laughs> it's such a strange match. It's like an episode of The Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah. Big show trying to fight off a zombie. It doesn't feel <laughs> like a boiler room, does it? No. As well. It's not. It's a it's, warehouse. <laughs> it's insanity from the get-go, though. Show picks up a table and throws it at mankind. That's the first offensive maneuver yeah. in the yeah. match. Mick breaks around a hundred drywall points, slowly poisoning him with asbestos. <laughs> He's in it for the Mick's, long haul. Mick's, Mick's thrown around like a ragdoll. I'll match. be honest. Uh, I, I, Mick Foley is not a small man, keep no. in mind. I was going to say, I enjoy the brawling and everything. It's uh, creative, all the different weapons and the different spots they do here, but I actually got incredibly angry watching this match just because I think that it, Paul White is nowhere yeah, near ready enough it, to be doing this kind of thing it, with Mick Foley. It feels Foley. like last time he's, he's taking a few too many liberties. He's irresponsible. I he's, would say that, however, keep in mind this is a pre-recorded backstage boiler room brawl and this is very much the case of you can do so much stuff here to, to I mean a lot of the stuff the items that they're going to be using are going to be you know like rigged and gimmicked and whatnot. Oh, no, no, I, I know so Foley is actually a lot safer here than he would have been in the yeah, ring and there's with still a lot, a lot of throws and a lot of bumps that look really like Paul is just being careless there is, there is one particularly rough one where Foley is in a trolley and he just gets sent flying yeah. and he smacks it really hard he's taking some really like hard shots here there's also a point where it seems like a giant chalkboard or something lands on Foley right on the lungs yeah and you can actually hear him spluttering and choking a really tough watch keep in mind now Mick has been putting off surgery for some time now you know uh, this is actually going to be the last time we see Mick he takes a little bit of a siesta after this yeah. Yeah. so uh, we won't see Mick for, for a bit of a while what, what is amazing is that I I mean I, I gasp several times at this match yeah. I actually found it quite shocking some of the spots they do because like it does look like Mick's in severe agony and then suddenly taking you away from this you get it cuts to a shot of Teddy Long yeah. just stood outside looking like droopy just there with his cheeks yeah. sagging and lo- looking really sad and miserable it, it made me laugh so much because you could just say and there's Teddy Long he's going to be there for when uh, the person leaves the boiler room and be declared a winner he's there for 10 seconds just, it's a long just shot. staring just yep. a static shot of him well staring. that's how the, the match ends is that uh, the, the winner must go up and present a rose to Teddy Long <laughs> Teddy you tell me to love but you also put me in a tag team match <laughs> with my heart Mick uses a glass pane on the big show and then afterwards he gets thrown off a ladder through some glass and tables what, what I love about me. that what I love about that moment CCW <laughs> he gets the ladder out and starts climbing up and tries to grab a little hook at the yeah. top like he thinks it's a ladder match and there's a belt up what there. is that hook no idea he just wants it uh, cool bone with the foley seems to have cut his hand so he's got all these bloody handprints yeah, uh, everywhere. up everywhere mankind uses a steam pipe on the big show it's meant to be steam yeah, but whatever like they milk. give it looks like cum <laughs> He gets sprayed because it's kind of like a little it's the Valvinus pipe. It's the Valvinus pipe. Yeah, his dressing room pipe. So after the uh, cum pipe is released on the big show, Foley cum pipe. 
Foley is. You heard it here first, folks. Come by. Foley slowly escapes. You know, bloody handprints the yeah. whole way. Yeah. One last horror shot you know, of him with his hand on the door. <laughs> he escapes, wins the match, but the big bus man and Test appear out of nowhere to jump for old Micker. Test wearing his uh, Bad Bones t-shirt. Bad Bones! <laughs> what does he even mean? Uh, what was it you said when you saw his back? Osteoporosis. <laughs> but you're not going to be putting that on a shirt like, you know. Hint, my weakness is my bones. <laughs> oh God, I hope they don't go after my bones in this match. <laughs> Show and Mankind team up almost. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Show kills the boss man, Socko to test. Show, of course, having left the corporation. Now, this match was more about pride. Pride! Pride! But uh, yeah, it's nice seeing Mankind get a win. And the big show is protected, I suppose, because he's not pinned. The man just left. Yep. A really awesome match. Yeah, yeah really right. good. Maybe a little bit was taken away from the fact that we already had a big hardcore brawl, but I have to say, I still thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah, really cool. Backstage, we've got China, Triple H, and Michael Cole. China talking about X-Pac. You remember who got you over. Oh, fuck off. I can't believe you said that. Yeah, uh, yeah. What the hell, bro? What, you don't like us turning heel? What's your what's your, <laughs> what's your deal? Like, you know, I hate that insider bullshit. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't mm. work. They keep talking about the pecking order and all that. But uh, I, do, I do like the idea that they're kind of picking up on the fact now for this next match, which is that... X-Pac was brought in a year ago by Triple H to be in DX mm. and now they're kind of like we brought you in so you we know, can take you we out we can take you out I like that it's a good story backstage the big show is being tended to by Dr. Scary and I do believe his prognosis is your pants are too blue <laughs> <laughs> did you see them like yeah. the fucking deep blue sea Jesus yeah, Christ I, I, I didn't, I didn't realise he was French Oh yeah, he's he is. French, yeah. But there's a moment where he essentially punches Big Show's hand and says, "Yes, I uh, think that is dislocated." <laughs> he's like punching him. In it the is hand. now, you <laughs> dickhead. As Big Show's getting stitches in his head, you actually see him crying, and this is the first of many times <laughs> we will see him cry. And of course, you know he's been tended. He's like, you know, they give you guys a stethoscope. You got some stroke around. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here we go. Two former best friends colliding as Triple H with China takes on one half of the tag team champions coming out without his belt. It's X-Pac. First of all, Triple H's music. What is that? Oh, oh God. What? Literally, what is it? What? What is that? It's what he had before. Uh, why? Because it takes a while to come up with all about the game. Come, takes a while to come up with, um, with my time it's yeah. my time oh man I'm begging for my time after this it's, it's like, so yeah, generic and actually if anything it, it works against Triple yeah. H's heel yeah. he looks so generic coming yeah. out with his white pants he's so lame he's also soaking wet yeah Any I reason? noticed that he's just wet he's very like... very very wet also China seems to be dressed as a kind of steampunk fetish female Bowser she looks scary yeah. she looks really scary she looks sharp you'd fucking <laughs> cut her if you, Mo- you touch more her. or less straight away the first thing I noticed was uh, right by the stairs to uh, get into the ring there's a massive fat bloke in a really sweaty vest All right, covered in beer and swilling uh, beer around going China because <laughs> Vader's not around anymore you'll even turn to the crowd to make fun of a fat it generally man. could have been Vader in the crowd no, I wish I could be in there getting his drink on what I like about this match is when it starts off is that it's competitive and yeah. it's like oh these are the days before Triple H basically books the show yeah. so matches would actually be competitive with a smaller guy like this which Until- I'd say 
Until yeah. what happens is Triple H goes after the neck. And straight away, this is the first time the announcers are blatantly like, no, seriously, this man's neck is like really fucked they up. They refer to him as Sean Waltman. Yeah, I love that. Like, it's like, yeah. Sean Waltman was in a car with that man saying that he had to quit the business because of his neck. And he's going after his neck. And it's great because obviously Triple H's heel turn they're like kind of like, yeah, I want money, but I just like the fact that he's now he's made it more personal. Yeah. He's got this like real ruthless edge yeah. to him, yeah. which the two is of good. Them are wrestling so aggressively, yeah. so, so fast, work, and it quick. just works in the match's favor. It's a great match. It's good, really great match. One point we get a uh, headlock from Triple H, pops down on the ground there, looks at the referee with an angry face, and goes, "What's the time?" Brilliant. Helmsley talking trash there is what Jim Ross says. <laughs> i got to disagree with you guys. I thought it was a great match to start off with, like, you know, really fast action, but then it just becomes 15 minutes of X-Pac getting worked over and nothing else. I, I have to say I enjoyed it because it, they, they told a good story here. I mean, mm. Jim Ross is... There. I mean, this wouldn't have worked without Jim Ross, I will no. say, though. Jim Ross is like, no, stop the match. And it's like, you know, it's not as if he's taken one particularly bad shot. It's the fact that Triple H is like, you know, just wearing on that neck. And Jim Ross is like... You know, in shoot, he's like talent relations. So he's like, no, seriously, this has gone on too much. Stop this match now. Yeah. And for me, that made me buy it as opposed yeah. to just a beatdown combined with I it. Get made that. It, seem... it felt legit. And it, I liked how it did feel personal because they're saying like how Triple H used to be his friend that he knew about the neck injury and all that. I just think it dragged. Uh, do you recall the bit where X Pac is like underneath the ropes and Triple H is on the outside hitting him over and over again on yeah. the apron? I know Triple H, so when X Pac goes, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, and we've now reached the grunt of the night, which <laughs> comes directly after X Pac says shit. Triple H uh, elbows him again in the neck, and X Pac lets out the Wilhelm scream. For- <laughs> <laughs> ah! Brilliant! <laughs> After the the shot to the neck there, the one that released the oh shit, Jim Ross goes, "I'll ring the bell myself." <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love that! Absolutely love it. X Pac attempts a comeback, and they're like, "He needs one big move." Hits the big corn tornado DDT. Fuck the crowd, by the way, because they're dead in this match. Yeah. And I think that this is a really... I don't know. I think it deserves more than they're getting. X-Pac reverses the pedigree and gets the X-Factor. But there's no referee. China comes in and low blows the sweet bejesus out of X-Pac. But all of a sudden, the lights go out and... That's gotta be Kane! Here he comes. Here comes Kane. Also without the tag belt. Took his fucking time. Choke slams Triple H. Choke slams to China. And Jim Ross with the call of the century. Give her what she deserves! I'll be honest, yeah. As much as the match dragged in the middle of the ending, I marked out so hard when China got the chokeslam because they always hint at China yeah. getting hurt, but, but they never she, actually she, do it. She was put up in the chokeslam, Triple H saved her, yeah. he got the chokeslam, then Kane went back, back for her. I never I thought that, that she'd actually get it. it was and so they were like, cool. you know, that woman broke that man's heart and you don't break a monster's yeah. heart. And then yeah. he puts them both in the Bronco. That's what's position. cool because yeah. obviously Kane now is slowly warming and becoming more like, you know, he knows human. X-Pac. And he's not going to be like, yeah, Xbox do it and do the, you know, the DX yeah. sign. Just the simple thing that he puts him in the position gives one look to X-Pac and then just leaves and yeah. X-Pac looks he's like oh shit this, this guy's on my side I love it we got a Bronco Buster to Triple H a Bronco Buster to China and then this is the one thing I fucking hated yep. Triple H just gets up gives him the pedigree and wins clean yeah. which killed it that clean. killed it for beats me beats him clean the Bronco Buster is a silly move, yes, but it's still meant to be one of the man's finishers. Doesn't you mean that Triple H should just get up straight away and yeah. pedigree him. It's such a killjoy finish. Stupid, stupid yeah. ending. But anyway, that's that match. I have to say, I really enjoyed it. I don't know, you, you thought it dragged, though. You know? Yeah, no, the, the beginning, the first uh, few minutes where it was like really a high, fast pace, that was brilliant. The, uh, the ending where Kane comes out and, you know, he attacks Triple H in China, that was really cool, but everything that happened in the middle just bored me to tears, unfortunately. Mm. Anyway, speaking of dragging on... Here we go. Ken Shamrock... 
taken on The Undertaker. I got so excited. When I, I me too. Yeah, I mean, never we, seen these two face each other before. And we've mentioned earlier, you know, Shamrock had been the hero. Shamrock, yeah. when no one else could help out Vince, Shamrock was like, Vince, I'm going to get her. He was a hero. Shamrock was backstage and Vince was like, I don't know what's happened. She's been kidnapped. And Shamrock was like, Vince, I swear to God, I will get her back. And Vince just goes, I want my baby girl back. It was absolutely hysterical. But no, I suppose the point we were from that scat that we were trying to make. From, the, from that scat? <laughs> the, point, the point we were trying to make was that Ken had, you know, had done a big thing for Vince. And Vince is like, you've got the Undertaker at the pay-per-view. Break the man's leg. And Ken is like, actually, yeah, I'm going to break Undertaker's Can leg. Can do. Can do. And Ken was like, shit, if the Undertaker's leg gets broken, that's pretty much the end of this ministry business yeah. altogether. So the stakes are high. Taker is a fucking monster still. you know. He's done all these horrible things. Regardless of his boring match with the boss man, he's still being viewed as this killer. Mm. Ken Shamrock has all this momentum, you know, him covered in blood, saving Steph and all this. There's a lot on the line for Ken coming into this match. He has vowed to break the ankle of The Undertaker. Undertaker had sacrificed his sister Ryan the week before. Yeah. This is it, you know? A lot of heat between these two. Lot, a lot going into this match. I was looking forward to this match immensely. And I have to say, I was, I was let down uh, oh, yeah. significantly. But anyway, Undertaker is coming out and he's referred to being the personification of evil. The conscience of the WWF, even. Yeah, but now he's yeah. pre- he's got a goat beard now, mate. Yeah. So, yeah. I think he looks fucking stupid. He does. Here. He, he looks, looks fucking ridiculous. Really? Yeah. He looks so lame. I don't, I don't know. I think, he's still, I think he's got like, that presence, you know? No, nah, it's so lame. Uh, the little like, chin beard yeah, and the black when leather. We st- when we started the podcast, I really liked The Undertaker, but now I just think he's so lame. This whole ministry angle, I, I think, is so lame. You know what? What, the, the kidnapping and all the, you know, the crazy shit and all this okay, shit. Okay, okay, let's discuss that, this right that's now. That's okay, but they're Buffy the Vampire Slayer villains. Like. Yeah, I get the feeling I'm on the same page as Billy here, and what, what I mean by that is, like, that the Ministry, I think that's really cool. Cool mm. faction, cool story, cool yeah. idea. But The Undertaker himself is really lame, I think. Like, he shouldn't be talking every five minutes, like, well, boys, it's now. <laughs> it's Backlash 99. And it's gang be under co- a bridge. Yeah. Like, and then I he, know, they, he talks they, too much. He wrestles too much, I think. Like he mm. shouldn't be wrestling as often as he does. He needs, he, like, no well, mistake. I will point out that he is only wrestling on the pay per views. They are making it like he's not wrestling every week on Raw. So you have to understand, you know, he's got like a month between his matches. I still think it would have been cool if he was just the head of the operation and he got all of his muscle to do. This is obviously just dream booking. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they. I think the problem is they've got something cool on their hands and they do. They overexpose it now and then. But I think this is no more apparent than the big boss on a match we had at WrestleMania and certainly here. And the problem. Is, is that when the match starts you expect there to be kind of some sort of buzz a bit of a fight feel because you've got a really personal issue and a guy with something to prove in Ken Shamrock and the crowd just don't give a fuck from the get go right. and that's that's not their fault so I mean I think that it's it's a bit of a shame that the crowd just won't give them the time of day they are the crowd are too harsh on them because yeah, they don't even yeah. let them try you know that's yeah. that's why they try to tell a cool story here. You know Jim Ross is trying to give this match credibility. He's like, you know, no one has ever even thought to go after the Undertaker's leg. No one's ever yeah. thought to attack a body part. No submission specialist has ever went after the Undertaker. And they're like, Shamrock's you know king of the ring. He's king of the octagon. He can he's, do it. He's had this many submissions. He can do it. And you know, it's. I mean, it. It feels to me like if the crowd could hear Jim Ross, they might have yeah. gotten into it. It's, it's a great idea for a match. 
but I just don't think the match itself lives up to that idea. It really hurts The Undertaker's mystique as well in the fact that because The Undertaker's meant to be this big nasty heel and he's meant to be this big scary monster and you have the plucky young face, Ken Shamrock, working over The Undertaker's leg and Undertaker going, Bruh! <laughs> Screaming! His selling yeah. is so awful. Bruh! <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he screams quite a lot. We get some uh, JR taking on uh, the... Letting the memory of Michael Cole live on. <laughs> hey, by, by, uh, by, uh, by uh, calling Stephanie a nice young woman. <laughs> One thing that is quite bad in this match, we get boring chance. Get, yeah, yep. get boring chance. And a lot, that, a lot of rest holds. A lot of rest holds. A lot of like times where like Ken is like. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Daniel Bryan versus Batista. It was when Bryan was still on NXT. He was only a rookie. He had lost like every match on TV. They weren't giving him anything, and he wrestled Batista on Raw. And Batista like basically was kind of like, okay, let's give this guy a little something. And Batista whipped the fucking shit out of him. But now and then, out of nowhere, Bryan would just get a little bit of a submission, and Batista would be like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, and the crowd would go apeshit because like, yeah. oh my god, this guy might actually. You know, because a submission. One, two, three kids. Yeah, it doesn't matter how big and how scary you are. If someone gets you in a submission in the middle of the ring, you've got to tap, you know? Dangerous, yeah. They don't do that here because Ken just puts him in a submission for like fucking 10 minutes and Undertaker's like. Screaming the whole time. Yeah, Taker screams a lot, gets out, and then he doesn't really sell. There's there's no sort of tension of like, oh, Undertaker's going to tap out. You don't get that at all. And that's why instead of the crowd going, oh shit, when submission moves come, when submission moves come, crowd just chant boring. We get a We Want Ryan chant. That is a That's death nail. Low. And That's that, low. And that is the end of your push, Ken Shamrock, Sadly. right there. Ryan Shamrock, are you fucking shitting me? That's how shit this crowd is. That's, you know, that's... that's how appalling they are. That's a shame, because I felt like Ken had an opportunity to step up, so to speak, here. Yeah. And I think by trying to go down this kind of like, hey, what if we did this? What if we did the submission thing? And in the end... Yeah. Well, Undertaker wasn't going to take flack for the crowd chanting boring. It's obviously Ken Shamrock's fault in people's minds. So, you know, it's 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 uh, it's yeah. weird. And the Undertaker, for whatever reason, they're like kind of, oh, Undertaker's bad at submissions, but once he's standing, he'll beat Shamrock up. And then Undertaker's like popping on bow and arrow locks. What's yeah. going on? What happens yeah. there? You know? I know, Billy, you said to me that you enjoyed this match. I enjoyed aspects of it. There's a couple of moments, some, some of the back and forth between... Not talking the holds and the locks and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a couple of the moments, like there's um, Bradshaw comes out and there's amazing counter. Oh, yes. That is No, cool. no, it's the, the choke slam. The cho- yeah. Yeah. Choke slam is countered into a Fujimura armbar. Which is yeah. cool. And that Which was awesome. amazing. And then Taker counters as well, uh, takes, well uh, Shamrock's moves as well. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. When that actually wrestling not just doing holds I thought the match was good mm-hmm. but they, those moments that I really liked were so f- few, few and far yeah. between I think if this match was five minutes Shamrock would have gotten just as much from it because I think their yeah. idea was like oh we'll give him a 20 minute match Shamrock will look competitive but anything what actually happened was not Shamrock give, looked boring yeah, they're not going to give Taker a five minute match though exactly yeah, that, that's yeah, a shame wouldn't. you know I mean and it's Taker that less, kind of ruins this match for the most part yeah less is more with The Undertaker what do you do with a guy who's meant to be the personification of evil I mean I don't blame him for not selling because he's meant to be fucking the unholy prince of darkness. But he's got to do something. It's 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 peculiar. But yeah, as Billy said, we get that sweet counter, the choke slam into the armbar, which is one of the most amazing counters ever. Uh, but Bear gets uh, the distraction in. Undertaker gets the belly to belly suplex, and then Shamrock inexplicably goes for the tombstone pile driver. Taker reverses it, wins the match. One of the one of the weakest outings of yeah, for either man on the podcast. Sucked. Partly due to the crowd, but mostly due to them taking a roll of the dice. I think you were saying to me as well, Adam, it was like kind of 
the crowd had been shit all night, would they not have kind of went, maybe we should pop things up into it? Yeah, pitch. seriously. I mean, they, it's they never point, got going. They never got out of first gear. In this. It must have crossed their mind when they were in their sixth rest hold to silence. They were probably thinking like, maybe we should do something a little different Because both men, I mean, Taker, you know, most of Taker's matches these days, he's like booting off the ropes. That's what he does. Yeah. Shamrock's go-to wrestling is off the ropes, do a move. They're capable. Although at one point we should point out as well, Ken Shamrock did hit the... Hurricane Rana. The Hurricane Rana. So scary. Or the yeah. scary Ken Rana, oh, as I have now christened it. horrible when he does it. Ken... I love you. You're a beautiful man. Don't do Hurricane Rams. I fear for your life when you do it. No, I fear for other people's lives, <laughs> actually. If you're going to do it, that's fine, but you're nearly going to kill people with that. It's shocking. Bradshaw then comes in with a baseball bat after the match and uh, bats old Kenny. Gives mm. him a powerbomb as well. It goes on for quite a while, actually. That goes, it's quite a, quite a, a protracted beatdown. Beat yeah. Coming off that, it is now time for the main event. It's time for the mulligan. We're going to do this over. It's The Rock. Versus Austin for the WWF Championship. Shane McMahon, special guest referee. take this championship belt and give it to Austin. Hey Austin, if you want your precious stone cold WWF championship belt, it is around the waist of the hot king of Austin protects his territory. Stone Cold came out to protect his territory. The corporation beating the hell out of Stone Cold. The Rock, Stone Cold, the Brahma Bull, the Rattlesnakes, Backlash. The special guest referee will be none other than a trash you call a title. Get a good shot on that. I want you to put it up on that Titan Tron. This is the closest you will ever get to your property. Oh, yeah. The Titan Tron being pulled down by the Big Show. What is that? Stone Cold is tearing a hole in the Titan Tron. Do you know what that cost? Stone Cold, you want the piece of trash? You come get the piece of trash. Here we go. The pounding. The piss fires on. The rock and the Austin, you want your belt? You take it to hell with you. Dearly Trailer Park Trash, we are gathered here tonight to celebrate the loss of the biggest foul mouth, beer swilling, finger gesturing piece of monkey crap that has ever graced God's green earth. Hey, wait a minute. trash you call a belt and let it rot just like your damn career. Stone Cold sets out. Where's the Lincoln? 
recaps some of my favourite moments in wrestling ever. So, from what I understand, in the last month, Monday Night Raw has become a circus of some Oh sort. my god. You want to talk about a Texas-sized ass... I mean, the last few weeks on Raw have been insanity. So we had Austin, of course, we mentioned before, wanting the smoke and skull belt back. We're seeing the transition with Shane taking things over as well. Shane giving the belts to The Rock. What The Rock decided to do to uh, get to Steve, because he knows how much Steve wants the smoking skull belt, was to, to go up to the old bridge. Now, way, way back in the day when these two were feuding over the Intercontinental Championship before they were in the, the world title picture, they had been involved in an incident on the bridge. So The Rock had went back up there as if to taunt Austin. It's a nice callback. A yeah. nice callback. Not the last time Austin goes to a bridge here as well. He goes back again later on. <laughs> so Rock is up there. And he's got Austin's belt. He's like, you want the belt? Come get the belt. And all night long, he's telling Austin, saying, yeah, come get the belt. And then we come back to the rock at the point, and he's got, uh, he's got a fishing rod. Yeah. He goes, Steve, let's go fishing. We'll probably catch a mutated freak fish because you're such a candy-ass piece of trash. <laughs> what does that even Perfect mean? logic. Perfect. A candy-ass piece of trash. Mutant freak fish. Absolutely amazing. So Austin goes up to the bridge, obviously. Because he, he has the GPS in the belt. So he knows <laughs> it's his belt. He knows where it goes is. Goes up to causing a bit of ruckus. Him and uh, Rock start, you know, going back and forth. Rock throws Austin... Off the top of the bridge. Yeah. And then he goes, you want your belt? You take it to hell with you. And he throws it in there. I don't think the rock knows that hell isn't underwater. He should have said Atlantis. <laughs> the, the bridge over the river sticks, mate. <laughs> Presumably, Austin died because the next week, the rock comes out with to, uh, to eulogise Steve yeah. Austin. At the funeral. Mm-hmm. Now, what I love about this, two things. One, the rock is hosting the funeral. He comes out with his tan suit, no top on him. Like, he's going there, like, to a funeral. Imagine coming with a blazer with no shirt and a gold chain and to, sunglasses. To a man you killed. <laughs> And you, you murdered. You don't. You don't get Ted Bundy turning up to the funerals of his victims. No and top just, like, on him. Hosting it. Like. He cuts a promo on Austin after he's died. He's like, dearly beloved, we're gathered here to uh, to eulogize the biggest piece of trash walking God's creator. And then uh, basically, what happens is Austin appears, beats up the Rock, throws him in the grave. Yeah. And then Shane, of course, coming in, then whacking Austin with the shovel. So the scene is set now. We've got this. Uh, High energy, high octane fucking feud. It's actually been amped up yeah. several notches. It feels a lot more like the encounter WrestleMania should have Much been. bigger than WrestleMania here already. And of course, you've got Shane McMahon as well now as the a lot more unpredictable about you know what Shane is going to do. Is, is he going to be more blatant in his screwery than Vince? Like Yeah, because we, we haven't seen Shane in this kind of role before, whereas we have seen Vince three or four times do this kind of thing. So with Shane, we literally can't tell where he's going to yeah. go. One thing as well we should note from this that, that The Rock is quite possibly more over and more loved than ever. Since WrestleMania, just all these skits, the fans are cheering him more and more. He gets a big pop when he comes out. Huge, it? huge, huge pop when he comes out. The Rock, I mean, like, you gotta think it's only a matter of time before he's face. <laughs> when he's coming out, Jim Ross says, this is not, you know, your typical championship match. 
Challengers usually don't throw champions off bridges. <laughs> <laughs> True words have never been spoken. Outstanding, Jim Ross. Well said. And I was about to write Steve Austin comes out, but Jesus Christ, this pace, like a fucking cannonball. He shoots out. Steve and Austin with his vest, thank finally. you. This right is, in the this is, proper, this is how it should have been like at Wrestlemania but uh, when he comes out he fucking sprints to the ring and he's holding the belt like in his hand and he just throws it just in the air overhead I love that. and it, it flies over the ring to the other side it nearly goes yeah. into the crowd I love it he could have lost it I absolutely love I think it's absolutely so amazing. reckless it's amazing it's like, just Austin to kill him. well I mean it's like think about this threw him off a bridge that's yeah, it exactly. how many times right I remember Wrestlemania fucking 25 which, which I will constantly always bring up because I went to it <laughs> <laughs> and you can see my big bearded head in it. But WrestleMania 25, in the main event of that, Orton and Triple H, right? Triple H invaded Randy Orton's home while his wife was there. And he was the face, kids. Mm-hmm. Threw Randy Orton through his own window. Fucking ran around his house with a hammer like a screaming maniac. And then they came out for the match at WrestleMania. Slow walk to the ring, yeah. hands on hips. Where's the emotion? If you doing crazy shit and guys yeah. like throwing dudes off bridges and rolling over their, their cars and matching Killing trucks, that dog. Killing their dog. Whatever it is. <laughs> it's only worth it if it actually translates to the match you're building yeah. up for yeah. cause if Steve Austin gets thrown off a bridge and then a man has the audacity to eulogise him at a funeral and not even invite him <laughs> he's not gonna walk out and go to the four corners he's gonna go out there and fucking kick some ass you better believe he's and gonna I throw that, that belt into the crowd Luthes Press like right off the bat Straight like, away. I love this and this these guys just have this immediate kind of chemistry when there's bouncing off the ropes they know already what they're going to do you know they've they know Such, each other very well, don't they? This is the chemistry which you come to expect from them in subsequent matches, and mm. it's, it's on full force here. The guys head outside, amazing brawling. They go up to the stage area, and Austin gets fucked into the, the corner of the stage, and the whole thing just collapses. Yeah. It's hideous. Whoa. The fence and the pillars all come down. Yeah. Absolute so insanity. Cool. We get suplex on the concrete. A lot of moves on the, the concrete between yeah. these yeah. two. They really get, go in hell for leather. Like. Yeah, getting hit right in the bones. Right in the bone. Right in the bone. But I mean, I don't know. I sometimes felt because I remember a lot of my friends growing up. They always had this thing in their head that The Rock was just kind of like pretty boy. He wasn't going to take risks, or he was never going to do anything dangerous. Well, fuck me, man. He's taking bumps like a champ here. Sick bumps in this. You know, uh, I don't think people give him credit for that. Austin kills The Rock with with this kind of trolley case type thing. Rolls into him, fucking boosh, head goes flying right off him. Insanity. And then The Rock kills him with a clothesline Rock's head bangs right into yeah. concrete and when he gets up there's just like a pool of sweat yeah. on the ground the guys are going like hell for leather mm. like they're holding absolutely nothing back yeah. the other side of the, f- the fence gets put down because Austin throws um, <laughs> rock into, rock it, yeah. into it to which JR says the walls of Jericho have come tumbling down then a man in a sparkly jacket comes out <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, last part is not true <laughs> we were wondering when that was said the walls of Jericho tumbling down if it had possibly something to do with Jericho how far is it until Jericho's debut like three or four months so they could have known that they were going to have him at this point they're probably in talks with him at this it's point it's probably it's an expression the but walls it, of Jericho is it's it just, yeah the walls it, of Jericho it's in. a pretty old story it, no, no, it's an old story but the yeah, walls of Jericho it's crashing a, down is like it's, a, it's an expression and a yeah, fable of sorts you know and there were walls and they did crash down 
And God bless him, JR yeah. said the walls of Jericho crashed down. I, I know, he's... I just imagine over on Nitro, they're like, ooh, DDP hits rock bottom there, you know? <laughs> I don't know, it just seems like a little bit too obvious for me. So we head back to the ring, and uh, we get Shane getting in uh, in Austin's face yeah. with, for the first time. Mm. Shane seems to be calling the match in the middle so far. Yeah, yeah no screwiness. Is... We get a sign, taxes due, free 16. There you go. Erwin or Scheister in the in the crowd there. We also had Boring 316. And yeah. to the man that had that sign, just go home because you yeah. clearly don't isn't know what wrestling ni- is. Isn't it nice to know that cynical fans were alive and well during the fucking height of the biggest boom in wrestling period And ever. to hold up that sign during this match yeah. as well. Boring. Yeah. Fuck you, sir. The, the- oh, Steve Austin. I wish he'd turn heel already. You know, <laughs> with his five moves. Seriously. Luthez Press, right hand, mud hole style. <laughs> Jumping, elbow drop, stunner. What are five moves of doom? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I do don't. I don't like John Cena as well. Ooh, I'm mysterious. <laughs> These two guys are pushing each other to their limits. I think I don't because we mentioned this before as well that Austin was a lot less secure in his peace of mind about his placement on the card compared to The Rock. The Rock was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I know I'm good. Is. But Austin was always looking over his shoulder, you know, and you got to say, they're pretty much laying out in that opening promo saying, The Rock is his bigger star as Steve Austin. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, the guys are definitely upping their game here. I don't think e- either man wants to be seen as, like, carrying the other, so they're both just fucking... Going hell for it. They get the best out of each other that way. Definitely. Rock goes flying over that top rope. Absolutely, like into another time zone, according to Jim Ross. (laughs) And then we get a rock bottom through the table. Absolutely sick. Rock then dons the Spanish announced team's headset. I have never seen Hugo uh, Savinovich look so sad. Quite funny seeing the rock just like give mouth and off to the Spanish announcers. He's looking really upset. Well, he was being quite racist. <laughs> I mean, I like the rock, but I mean, I'm going to call a spade a spade. You shouldn't call that man that word. But anyway, Jim Ross is like, you know, enough is enough. This is uh, this has gone too far. God, it was so nice to have Jim Ross the back passion. in the commentary. The commentary is, is fucking amazing again. The Rock gets the camera from yeah. the cameraman. Gives the finger to Steve Austin. Looking at the crowd. Absolutely hilarious. And then he looks up. And Steve Austin's just there. The two fingers. And we get a first person. It's really I marked out. One of my so favourite moments. It's like such a cartoon moment. Austin's lying down. And the camera turns to look at the crowd. And he turns around. And Austin's already stood up. Like screw you. You son of a bitch. And <laughs> gives him the stunner from first person. I don't know. So the Rock doesn't drop the camera. He holds it as he's been stunned. Professional. <laughs> Jim Ross at the time. He's like. Put that camera down. <laughs> Austin is all fucked up. He's all like covered in wires. Yeah, he's he's all like, give me more Darwich. <laughs> I got me some audio problems. <laughs> Serious cross podcast reference there. Fuck it. We started referencing Mo Darwich and now he's no longer on Steve Austin's podcast. What can you do? We missed a trick. There yeah. I said it. <laughs> we have King for around five minutes going, am I on? Am I on? Yeah. Am I on? Am I on? Am I on? Is this symbolic? I don't think we're on. I do not think we're on. You're fucking on. Jesus. Austin gets the stu- has the stunner reversed on him. He goes flying, whacks it into Shane. So in Invertus, the rock hits the rock bottom. You obviously think Shane is like, I'm going to DQ this man. But he obviously sees that the rock has him beat. Do it legit. So he's like, oh, I'll do it legit. So then he puts the rock's arm on Steve yeah. Austin. And like, not even Vince would stoop that low, you're so saying So blatantly cheating. Amazing. But we only get a two count and yeah. the crowd fucking erupts. Shane then gets the belt. Starts charging up the... Yeah. yeah. Charging up the shot. Something I'd noticed here is just a... 
whenever you have a do a title shot, when you're about to like hit someone with the belt, you have to apparently you have to stand in the corner, sort of squatting down, holding it under your arm, like here it comes, I'm getting yeah. ready, building up to it, let's do this, let's go straight into it. Outstanding. You have to do a Street Fighter idle move, don't you? Exactly, yeah, you, you build it up. But he accidentally hits the rock. Uh-oh. Austin covers him. Shane goes one, two, and then refuses to count to Gives him the fingers. Just like it's Survivor Series. And Jim Ross goes, his word means nothing. His word means nothing. And then his grandfather's zombie comes out (laughs) of the ground. Spinning in his urn. (laughs) Absolutely hysterical. Vince McMahon comes out with the biggest fuck you face on him ever. Mm. He is absolutely can't believe that his son would have said that and then gone against his word and he clocks Shane so hard that he falls over it's amazing absolutely amazing so funny The Rock gets a bell shot only a two count though Mm. and then we get possibly the greatest stunner of all time The Rock gets stunned into another plane of existence <laughs> he does he, he starts jigging it's the best way to describe it he starts doing a little what, it, what it's like is the rock gets stunned right and then you know in Robocop 2 and that lad gets all that green soup don't tell yeah. him and then he's going up to someone going um, uh, uh. that is what the rock is like here then he gets hit with the belt one two three Austin retains the title what a fucking match Unbelievable. So, so good. Amazing. So much better than WrestleMania. Yeah. Like, this, this was the match they should have had at WrestleMania. As, as Jim Ross calls it, the Smoky Skull Belt. Smoky Skull. Because he's thinking about barbecue sauce again. That uh, <laughs> delicious prime rib oak smoked title belt. <laughs> he's going to eat it, isn't he? <laughs> stick his teeth into it. Like, you know, absolutely tremendous match. Pay per view seems to be pretty much well. And, you know, oh, yeah. no, there's Austin. Better. Austin's on top there. I think they made up for WrestleMania with this offering. Oh, God, offering. Yes. There was maybe uh, some dud matches, but um, something else happens then after, doesn't it, Adam? We, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cut backstage. You think it's all over? So the, the, the ministry come out to the limousine where Stephanie had been dropped off, and they're like, yeah. Straight away, the guy's like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't trust you guys. Half of you don't have tops on. <laughs> Get away from this limo. The worst police ever. I know. Right? Well, at least they've got a fucking limo this week, or like last week, where it would have been like a tandem bicycle. Like, oh, there's the limo. Uh, they give the old whack of the limo. It's like, right, take her away. Stephanie's been driven away. She's like, drive her away. No, my dad. Partition comes down. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> oh no! Where to, Stephanie? And you cut to a shot of Vince looking so disinterested. Yeah. He doesn't know. That's the point. Well, I know he doesn't know, but it's just the juxtaposition of Stephanie screaming and then Vince just like, "Well, that's that match over and done with." Then what happens to that daughter of mine? We watched this. We watched the main event and, and the end t- together. Yeah. You heard how loud I laughed. Billy I didn't know about where to step. I sworn you would have known about I, this. I, I it's so famous. And it made me laugh so much. The partition came down, the Undertaker turned around and went, where to, Stephanie? It's Freddy Krueger at the end of any Nightmare on Elm Street film. <laughs> and it just made me laugh so and, much. And the fact that it comes at the end of the pay-per-view, it is like a horror ending, isn't yeah. it, really? Serious, are you afraid of the dark vibes? Yeah. Like Vince Russo get a bucket of silver sand, throws it on. <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> the Midnight Society will... And they ain't gonna oh. think you gonna be able to go to bed. Stop! 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 <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> And 
Now, just to briefly talk about what Undertaker did with Stephanie as he took her away, we watched this straight afterwards because it is that is one of my favorite endings to a pay per view ever because it's just so insane. But I have to mention next night on Raw, the Black Wedding. Undertaker's gonna do a marry on Stephanie, yeah. Unless Vince gives him the company, Vince had asked everyone for help. People were like, I don't know, man. So we get even Shane won't help. Shane, yeah, yeah Shane is too preoccupied. He's like, you know, corporate business. So anyway, we get a, you know, just to, to quickly recap the Black Wedding with the Ministry carrying Stephanie out on a crucifix, yeah, which is traditional for a Black Wedding. And I tell you what, Stephanie, she's like, she's on this crucifix. She's screaming. She's got tears running down her cheeks. Her face is all red and Isn't wet. Isn't she lovely? She's been a abducted by a group of big muscly massive goths mm-hmm. and they've had her for like 24 hours now they've done god knows what to her she's there she's screaming it's all dark and scary and there's like a bunch of guys that still deem it necessary to shine like fucking eight laser pens on her face have you no souls <laughs> clearly not they don't have souls they have laser pointers Under- undertaker is you know getting married he's got his yeah. ceremonial robes on paul bear has got a Big, big book. book of evil. You know the what? Necronomicon now, for this kids. is obscure, but what this just reminds me of is I, I, the friend of mine uh, got me into uh, watching Nigerian uh, uh, horror movies a while back. This is obscure. Nollywood, as it's known as. Yeah. There was a movie about vampires, and they're like, "Oh, this is the ancient tome of the vampire," and it's just the Guinness World Book of Records thing. <laughs> and they're like, "Look, it is the head vampire." This is a picture of Darth Maul, like. And they're like, "Here, they're like, look, it's the ancient tome of the Undertaker, and it is a." Black Velvet book with sparkles yeah. on it. It's called The Ministerium et Acabus, which loosely translates as The Ministry of Infection. Yeah. Oh, now, you think they got that that's a very same... loose translation of that second generation line. <laughs> second sorry, gen- sorry, sorry. Man, I, I forgot. I keep forgetting you have a degree in like, uh, <laughs> no, like not I just looked it up. But I would have thought they would call, just have it say The Ministry of Darkness. But The Ministry of Infection is kind yeah. of what it loosely translates. Do you think they got it from the same prop box as uh, Mark Miro's contract that you had at the start of the podcast? Prop, most probably. Possibly, yeah. They probably yeah. got Mark Miro to make it. We'll let you stay around. It's craft time. But uh, yeah, we get some nice vows from Paul Bear. Dearly unbeloved. Yeah. <laughs> just, Genius. It is the opposite. And then he's like, <laughs> Stephanie, do you take Undertaker to be your lord and master and your spouse? And she's like, no! But he's like, it is opposite day. <laughs> Good enough for me. And then Undertaker, he's like, do you take, do you take her to be your your wife? And he goes, I do. So now scary. keep in mind, Kenny Shamrock comes out, tries to break it up like the good hero that he is. Mm. Uh, he gets beaten down. Big Show tried to come out and break it up. Yeah. He gets beaten down. Also looks silly the fact that he's the only man in his underpants. Ken was wearing street clothes at least. Yeah. Big yeah. Show just comes out in his yeah. black trunks. As it looks like, there's no hope for Stephanie. Stone cold. Yeah. The glass Austin comes out. And oh my god, the explosion in the crowd. I'm gonna call it right now. Uh, you know. Obviously, we're doing a big rewatch of the Attitude Era and whatnot. But for me, looking back, if before we even started this podcast, if you ask me my favorite raw moment ever, this is it. Really, I fucking love this because it's like Austin. You know, Austin doesn't want to help McMahon, and they're like Jim Cornette is on commentary as well, which is awesome. At this, yeah, and he's odd. like, he didn't do it because he likes Vince. He did it because it was the right thing to do, and he clatters the fuck out of the ministry chair shots everywhere stuns them all and then afterwards he lets out Stephanie and she's hugging him and Austin just has his hands up kind of going alright you know I'm not going to hug her back I love that and then Vince comes out and Vince is going with tears in his eyes thank you so much the look I ain't through with you Vince (laughs) I ain't through with you not yet by a long 
shut. But yeah, I just thought, because it's, you know, selfishly one of my favourite moments, it was worth recapping at the end of this episode. Now we have it. But there you go, Backlash 99 in the books. Match of the night, MVP, Adam. Match of the night, undoubtedly Rock Austin. Yeah. you know, the WrestleMania match was good and all, but it wasn't what it could have been. This is exactly what that should have been. And good lord, it was a barn burner. It was fucking awesome. MVP will be The Rock um, because, to be honest with you, just I know Austin was also amazing in that match, but The Rock took loads of sick bumps and he made Austin look like a million dollars, but without making himself look like crap. The Rock still was awesome in this match as well, so it's tough to choose between the two of them because they were both on fire in that match. But yeah. for me, The Rock just had the edge because he had the, the also, so I think the fact that I mean The Rock is you know he's lost before you know he's the ch- he's the heel challenger for for the face yeah he's lost two months that's, in a row now that's a not a great position to be in usually you know card what you're booking wise it's hard to make you look credible or legitimate but he's he pulled still it pulls off, it off definitely yeah. uh, billy match of the night mvp um i think i'm gonna have to uh, echo adam again both both times that uh, match of the night is uh, roxton Roxton, I'm Roxton. Gonna call it Roxton. Get, get out. Get out. <laughs> I was gonna just call it Stock. You know? Stock. <laughs> Both of you. I'll finish this by myself. Just, you leave. just um, put a knee brace in some hot water and you get Austin. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just it was just a great match. They, yeah. They pushed each other to that absolute limits. One of the best matches on the podcast so far. Oh yeah. I'd say it's possibly the best match. Yeah, it's hard to hard to, to to come up with a better one on one match than that. Yeah. And then MVP, I think goes to The Rock whilst again whilst Austin was like amazing mm. tonight I, I just think um, The Rock had I think a, a little bit more to prove to I think to people than Austin did at this point and, yeah and I, I think that um, The Rock did that uh, amazingly well through the use of you know putting his body through that and through also through the use of comedy and yeah it was a nice yeah. balance I think they struck between really serious balance. rock and kind of goofy rock and I, I, I that's why I'm, I'm giving him MVP well we're all definitely ready for a rock face turn at this point now I think yes, the, the time is right for me um, match tonight same as you guys mm. I don't think of anything to add there MVP I'm going to actually say Shane McMahon mainly because obviously he had been kind of a background figure up until this point you know he was never the, the focus or the core of the, the storyline and you know he really fucking you know up the ante just like how to think you're meant to be more of a villain than than Vince how do yeah. you top that how do you find ways to in a special referee role to do that and I think he like through you know him going back on his words him like putting the arm over on the rock and just the way Shane carried himself the whole night and his promos and all that coming up to it I think he's the he was my MVP I think he was an awesome heel figure I just think that now we're talking about this because obviously Shane's quite a significant person at this point in the Attitude Era uh, I'll be the first to say it, I fucking miss Shane McMahon yeah, on TV yeah. I, I wish he was around these days man he would he, he's a because he's a guy who can you know be an authority figure he can you know he can be the face he can be a face he can be a heel he can add credibility to storylines you know because he is Vince's son and also as well he can fucking wrestle unbelievably yeah, well yeah. so he can always get a good match at the end of it which is well I suppose wishful thinking he's we can a, yeah. hope he'll turn up one day yeah right. that is going to do it for this edition of the Attitude Podcast quick announcement as people probably are Clamoring to know, we've if people have asked us on Twitter already, we've 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 kind of addressed it, or we're going to announce it now. Uh, we're not going to do over the edge 1999 before you all decry it and tweet us massively about why you think we should do it, etc., etc. Don't waste your time. We're not doing it. We're not. You know, it's just not going to happen. It was never commercially released on video. At the end of the day, it was a man died. Very tragic. Yeah. It's just. If you, if you like the podcast and you like what we do when we're recapping this pay-per-views, just have a think 
and then you'll yeah. realise why we we, we, we wouldn't we, be wise to we do We see ourselves as a comedy podcast. What happens at Over the Edge is not funny and it'd be feel awkward even if we were to even if there were things that were humorous within over the it edge, just would be tasteless it's tasteless and morbid yes. a man died at the pay-per-view and there's literally no reason for us to think that we should review it in any way at all now if you're out However, there if you feel strongly that we should do it again that's fine that's that's your opinion and whatnot just you know don't don't clamor to tell us that we should do it and don't be upset that we're not going to do it because we are going to do two things first of all next episode is going to be a special own heart tribute episode we are going to recap our five favorite own heart matches of all time and we definitely want input from you guys about what those matches should be so head over onto facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast or follow and tweet us at ae podcast on twitter let us know what kind of matches you want us to see it's not just attitude era it's from own's entire career we're going to look back on his the five matches which we select which will be helpfully picked by you guys and also as well we're going to look at famous own heart ribs some you know stories you know about him backstage some cool storylines some cool promos cover his career basically we will discuss as well you know about the you know the tragedy the aftermath and you yeah. know some of our thoughts on that but i think the main thing we want to, to bear on this fact is that we just don't want to get you know it's it's not a case of saying get over it it's just that i think that too many people remember owen hart as the wrestler that died and i'll be the first to admit before i started doing this podcast i'll be completely honest i just knew owen hart as the wrestler that died and there's much more to the guy now i have such an appreciation for him it's kind of just a little bit annoying when people seem to focus solely on his death because there was a lot more to the man than just that and hopefully our next episode will go through that so yeah i mean the next episode it's going to be a mark out session for for own heart so we definitely want you know your input your feedback let us know on facebook and on twitter about what you want uh, to see there also as well we'll understand by skipping a pay-per-view don't get worried we're not going to miss storylines or anything like that the following episode we're going to have a good chunk at the start of the episode where we're going to recap all the fucking insane shit vince russo came up with between now it's going to be like a, a little 30 minutes at the start yeah it'll yeah. be like kind of a mini episode within an episode you get that for free you get that for free so that's that you know i hope everyone understands and you know i think that's the best of both worlds in that in that we're not going to you know ignore the situation but we're also not going to get into a potentially awkward morbid and yeah dreary uh you know discussion about just a man dying i think this is know. the best work around. this is the best way so thank you very much for listening to the out of podcast if you're following us on itunes make sure you subscribe leave a rating or review or leave a like or whatever on soundcloud or on stitcher radio also check us out on youtube we've got videos going up there as well youtube.com forward slash era podcast also check out callingspots.com this month we have got an article there and we're actually presenting the magazine so go over to callingspots.com get yourself a hot slice of that action well it is a goodbye from me kevin bye from me adam and me billy and we will catch you next time on the attitude era podcast in our own heart special Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs>